0: This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by the Messy Spirituality Podcast. Hey, this is Jason Elam. Join Lola Robbins, Kyle Butler, and me for the Messy Spirituality Podcast, where we try to empower your spiritual evolution with honest conversation about how to be a better human, taking a critical look at toxic Bible stories, and look behind the headlines for growth opportunities underlying current events. Hey, it's a bisexual hairstylist who escaped a cult, a black mystic, and a recovering Southern Baptist preacher. What could possibly go wrong? Check out the Messy Spirituality Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If the Bible's got you tied in knots,
1: if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir. It's
0: Heretic
2: Happy Hour. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. We are so glad you're with us, and we uh, can't wait to jump into this topic. Uh, But quickly, let's do some introductions. My name is Keith Giles. I am the author of the Seven Part Jesus Un-Series on Deconstruction and Reconstruction, and author of the recently released Solo Mysterium, Celebrating the Beautiful Uncertainty of Everything. I am joined by the wondrous katie shonda december and sometimes matt say hi hey everyone um keith i love that you called us wondrous so i'm gonna adopt
0: that this is katie and i'm i am wondrous my last name is valentine i'm the author of sex slavery and self-control i'm curious how everyone is is jiving with this series i think this is our very final episode in this series and so we're gonna um yeah can't wait to hear how this has affected
3: everyone
1: this is December Rose. The author of The Church Can Go to Hell because it absolutely can, but I hope it don't. I'm glad you're listening and I hope you're enjoying the series.
3: I am Shonda Cha. I'm the author of Liberating Love, which is a devotional for the rest of us in case you need some love notes for God, from God. Um, and I'm really grateful this is the last episode in this series. Although like Katie, I hope that it has been meaningful to folks and I'm looking forward to hearing what people think about it. Matt, I think you're all Always wondrous, no matter what Keith says.
4: Well, I like the names Sometimes Matt. Wondrous Katie and Sometimes, and sometimes Matt. <laughs> Matt. I'm fine with being Sometimes Matt. I am, of course, Matthew J. i I'm always here, though you sometimes hear from me. And I'm the author of Heretic from the Blood of Abel and a bunch of other books. And well, shit, we're doing Zoom right now, so my stone thoughts that I have oh, are not oh, no. with us. You're gonna have live. to just do it live. live. Do it live,
2: damn it. Do it live!
4: So, my stone thoughts, had I... I'm not stoned right now, so these are unstoned, stoned thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> and what did I record just not too long ago? You, were
0: you too stoned that you don't remember? Because I
4: might there. have been so stoned that I don't remember. No, I, I like actually... Like seven did.
3: in the morning, though?
4: No. I didn't no, mean to judge. I, I take it back. <laughs> How dare you? I wake and bake everything. No, <laughs> I, I... Hey. Wake, wake and Pro- bake. production note, we don't do everything live (laughs) but no my stone thoughts for this for this time were i was thinking about our consciousness and so all of our animals have consciousness humans have consciousness but we don't necessarily think of them as the same types of consciousness or maybe we do or they manifest differently do we think that that is built into the evolutionary process or do we think like God stepped in and gave humans a, a specific type of consciousness or does it even matter?
2: Hmm. So the difference between animal consciousness and human consciousness. Well,
4: is there a difference and yeah. in, in what way and, and how do we think that would kind of play yeah. out evolutionarily speaking? So
3: really this is existential thoughts when you're not stoned. Yeah. <laughs> Stone thoughts is more
1: fun. I just want to put that on the record. But I have existential, existential thoughts, thoughts when is good. I'm stoned.
2: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I would, I would say this is my take on it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I do believe in evolution to a certain extent. Uh, in that you can only become what you already are. I don't necessarily believe in something becoming that it something that it wasn't. So I, I, I'm not of the mindset that something that did not already have intelligent presence can just develop it out of nowhere at some point um you know my thought of evolution is such that a baby girl is born and she can't immediately have children when she's born there's all kind of things that happen and you know she's going to become a woman and there's all kind of things that she's able to do as a woman that she wasn't able to do as a baby she can think she can talk she can write she can speak Da da, da. so she's becoming what she already is not something that she already that she wasn't to begin with and that's my idea of evolution in all forms so concerning in light of that to answer your question I believe that animals have instinct um, presence and that humans have intelligent presence now animals do have a certain level of intelligence um mm-hmm. but it's not to the same level nor um extent of human beings and so I believe that the the intelligent nature of the human beings is certainly divine I don't believe everything in the Bible but I do believe the part where it says God created us. In his image, man and blue, male and female, he created them. That part I do believe. So I believe we are separate and apart from the from the creation of animals that were made distinctly with intelligent thought and the ability to create after our Creator, using what He has already created. That's my that's my thoughts. It's definitely stone thoughts and existential thoughts are definitely different. <laughs> but that is my um that is my perspective on that. That's funny because
2: a, a few uh, well, many probably many years ago. I think we were talking about something similar to this one time. And I said, and I think I still believe this. I was wondering, I was just thinking out loud, like, I wonder if dolphins think that they are created in the image of God. Right. I wonder if like, um,
4: that's a stone thought.
2: Well, I wonder if like giraffes think, Hey, I'm made in the image of God. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like we think that because we thought it and then we wrote it down and, and now we passed it around and that's become part of our identity. Oh, we're made in the image of God. But, I don't know, is it, like, we think it's unique to us because, well, we haven't shared those thoughts with any other species and stuff. So, I don't know. I I think it's a wonderful question. I do think there are levels of consciousness. I don't know if we've mentioned this before or not either, but I was talking to some friends of mine a while back, too, about how it's fascinating to me how I think humans, when they interact with animals, can raise the consciousness of animals. And um, sort of like change their behaviors. And it seems we can kind of change their perspectives on things. You know what I mean? So I don't know. That's a, It's a fascinating concept. I, I think we assume, yes, that there is a different levels of consciousness between animals and humans. But I don't know if that difference in consciousness levels necessitates that we're the only ones made in the image of God. So I don't know. That's not an answer, really. It's just more, more adding more muddying <laughs> the waters a little bit.
3: The I, thoughts were really clear at the beginning, and you really have muddied some things.
2: You're welcome.
1: When you said it, when you talked about the dog, I thought about, you know, here's the difference between if we want to look at dog versus man. Here's the difference in my mind. Man is always thinking, is always thinking, always evolving in that. Okay, I you know, man, we have created, our houses don't look the same as they did. A thousand years ago we have different building codes now based on what we've learned um, we eat differently we create different foods if you go you could go to any one of a million and so restaurants where someone has created a dish based on the foods dogs utilize live in exist and thrive in the world that is created for them in other words there's not some dog somewhere in a boardroom having a meeting with other dogs talking about how they can improve dog food they have to eat the food that you put in front of them. There's not a group of dogs that's going to get together and have a conference next year on what should be the building codes for their dog houses. They have to live in the houses that you prepare for them. So there are a level of consciousness, <laughs> creativity, and, you know, presence in the earth. And, but I believe God, the man, the presence of mankind is distinct and unique. So I think scientifically, we don't know why we're awake.
0: Like scientists haven't, they can't determine like why we actually have consciousness, which to me is right. fascinating. Right. Um, so I'm trying to go back to the original stone thought, which was what's human consciousness? What's animal consciousness? Does it matter? Is that essentially? Well,
4: no, was essentially, that the question? I, okay. That, that was the kickoff well, point. Uh, I, I don't know. Stone. remember?
0: So that's <laughs> a good point. Okay. So I don't know. No, I'm, my mind has gone, my mind has gone in too many different directions here. Um, Does it matter? I don't know. And I'm curious what's going to come after humans? Mm
4: -hmm. Like, we're not, I don't think
0: humans are an evolutionary pinnacle. Um, even, even on Earth, there'll be something on Earth that comes after humans, uh, eventually. What will they, what will their consciousness be? But Keith, you brought up dolphins. And yesterday I went on a little dolphin boat tour. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're so smart. But Mm -hmm. I think we also have this idea that consciousness can only look like we've experienced it. Right. But like, I actually, I actually experienced the Earth as having consciousness. It's yeah. just very different than mine. Yeah. Right. I like totally a rock agree. and a tree can have consciousness. It just doesn't look like human consciousness. That doesn't mean it's um, lesser than or more than. And I, I, I don't want to, um, yeah, like December was saying, humans can learn and grow and adapt. Whereas my, uh, my dog, when I had a dog, if he looked in the mirror, he would bark because he didn't know that that was him.
2: But see. Okay. But you make about but this is a fascinating question and I, I gotta be careful because going to take over the whole podcast but but i mean so is it a mistake to equate consciousness with intelligence like like i think humans tend to equate consciousness with levels of intelligence like oh we can reason and we can think and we can be self-aware and we can ask these sort of existential questions like we're doing right now and uh, we we assume you know dogs and dolphins and orangutans can't but it's like again if i'm a dolphin I would grade consciousness on how well you can swim and eat, catch fish you know, or or, or do, a, do a backflip in the air and over the, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know, like consciousness can be consciousness separate from, like you were saying about the earth, right? I, I agree. I think the earth is conscious, but the earth doesn't have to be able to do calculus equations, um, you know, or write poetry. Uh, so I think, I think it's just, there are different expressions of consciousness and we're one of them. And we can, and our expression of consciousness has certain, you know, things that surround it, but maybe are not necessarily uh, a sign of higher or better or whatever levels of consciousness.
3: I want to hear dolphin poetry.
2: (laughs) I do too. I would love to hear a dolphin poem.
3: So I don't know if any (laughs) of you have read um, any Douglas Adams, but in the 42,
0: mm -hmm, 42. yep.
3: yep. So in the fourth book of his five book trilogy, um, he talks about how at the end of the world, they discover that humans are actually only the third most evolved Ooh. species. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second, the the first are the rats who have been playing a giant science experiment on all of us. Um, <laughs> and the second most evolved species were dolphins. Uh-huh. And, people had always, and and he says people always thought they were more evolved than dolphins because people had invented television and science and um and war and you know all of these things whereas all dolphins did was play around in the water and eat fish and dolphins thought clearly they were the more evolved species for the exact same reason so i'm going with dolphins are actually more evolved than us because they're not destroying the planet they're not you know um, pining away over stupid inconsequential things. They're playing in the water and eating fish, which, frankly, I think yep. is a higher and more evolved consciousness than we have. Damn I right. stand there.
1: I agree with you. <laughs> and this is a random, um, unnecessary, and useless fact, but I read somewhere that dolphins are like the only mammals that have sex for pleasure.
0: It's true. Only dolphins yeah. and, humans.
1: Yeah. Oh, I gonna say, and humans. I was going to say, I would add humans to that. I would add humans <laughs> yeah, uh, Okay,
3: <laughs> after humans. <laughs> not the They're home. the only <laughs> other. <laughs> Although I think that ties to our theme yeah. for later today, so.
0: Yeah, maybe <laughs> so it does. Coming, coming soon to everyone, dolphin poetry. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Dolphin poetry. And the ones on my boat tour yesterday came up right next to the boat, and they loved me. They were coming. They came and played. Yes, they did. And they, they showed off. They're, they're a highly evolved species, of course they, they Yes. It. Totally They agree. connected. We, we connected. So, all right. From, from dolphins. Dolphin sex for pleasure, and dolphin poetry, and stone thoughts. Perfect segue. Thoughts. Perfect segue. We take you <laughs> to <laughs> not not December, not January, not February, not March, but we have a wonderful heretic of the week for you, and we bring you April.
4: It's the heretic of the week.
5: Hello, my name is April Ajoy, and I am an apparent heretic because I love and support my non-binary spouse and call out racism in the church and wear wigs and do funny stuff that make fun of evangelicalism.
4: Hi, April. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of our, welcome, welcome. Uh, kind of our first question is why would people call you a heretic? So you've already kind of said that. So let's. Let's expand on that a little more. What exactly are you talking about with regards to evangelicalism? And um, yeah, let's go from there.
5: Sure. I talk a lot about Christian nationalism and the dangers of it. I think it's the biggest threat to our country, Mm -hmm. um, the American country, Um, and harmful purity culture, misogyny, and I do it in a... I do little skit videos where I wear wigs and sometimes I wear, I'm in drag and I'm a Theo bro and I make fun of them relentlessly and it's fun. There's
4: yeah. there's there's no lower hanging fruit than Theo bros.
5: <laughs> no, they make it too
2: yeah. easy. Oh my gosh. So April, the first time I came across you, um, I, I must have already been following you on Twitter, I guess. But uh, anyway, the the first time you, your name really popped out of me was the uh, the video that you did uh, that was kind of making fun of the Matt Chandler thing about um, deconstruction being sexy. And oh my yes. gosh, I laughed so hard on that thing. That was so beautiful. It was so hilarious. And that, that immediately I became a fan. Like, oh, you got to check this out. She is incredible. Uh, so so I guess the thing is, like, how did you get started doing this? Like, What, what made you wake up one day and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start this, like, crazy channel where... <laughs> where I do these skits and things. Um, It's just genius. It's really great. But I'm just curious, what was the genesis for this whole thing?
5: Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, Well, so I've always been a bit of a creative. I used to make really dumb YouTube videos with my brothers like way back in the day. And hopefully no one ever finds this. Um, But uh, I started on TikTok was where I started making these videos and it was when the pandemic hit in 2020 and we were all home, nothing else to do. I was like, I'm going to download this kid's dancing app. And originally I was actually doing more funny mom content because I have two little kids. Uh, But then I did one video where basically I just said, if you're a Christian who doesn't like Trump, you get kicked out of the club. And it went super viral and got almost a million views. This would have been in like May of 2020. And it was thousands of comments. I mean, there were some hate comments but most of it were from other Christians that were like oh my gosh I thought I was the only one like me too and so I was like hmm so I'm not alone I'm not crazy and so I just kind of spiraled from there and I started adding in little props and little you know (laughs) costumes and wigs and and then I just started going at even like at first it kind of started going after Trump supporters um as a former Republican i I know the hypocrisy well. I used yeah, to see it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so it started with that and then it kind of went into like, "Oh my gosh, I've got a lifelong amount of content that I can use in evangelicalism that I can just channel and like just keep the content yeah. going." Yeah.
4: Well, in your video, the first video I saw Keith sent it to me when you said existential crisis. I was just like, <laughs> "All right, this this person's legit. I've got to follow her on TikTok." <laughs>
5: Well, thank you. That video was so fun and weird to make. I definitely had to kill some inner, like purity yeah. culture, still because our bedroom. We shot in our bedroom. We put up a white sheet, and if you just looked at it, it looked like we were about to shoot like a porn <laughs> scene. I was like, "What? What is my life right now?" <laughs> oh, it was
2: hilarious. Yeah, because you, you had the music and everything. Oh, it was just—it yeah. was perfect. So good. So yeah, I, I'm a huge fan. I, I love your stuff. I have to watch your, uh, every day and, and see what you, what you're putting up. Um, and, and you've had, you sent mostly positive responses, but I'm sure you get your negative pushback too. Um, oh, yeah. and so what is that like and how do you manage that?
5: It's definitely worse. Like the worst is when I'll make, uh, usually it's when I do more political stuff and, I've been featured on Ben Shapiro and Libs of TikTok and praying you.
4: Yeah.
5: And so <laughs> yeah, so when those things happen, I just get bombarded by conservatives. I've had death threats against oh, my gosh. kids. I've had threats that people are going to call CPS on me and they're all baseless and like I haven't done anything. Um so those those moments aren't aren't the most fun, but I definitely have developed some thicker skin. The funniest is when I get, um, like, people call me demonic or the Antichrist. I think my favorite one that I've got is because I – I think it's because I have red hair, that I am the soulless reincarnate of the fallen. Oh, Nephilim. man. Right, boy. Oh, we yeah. are going to
4: – we're going to get our design team on that. and We're going to create a beautiful <laughs> meme for you.
5: <laughs> Please do. I, like, want to wear that as just a badge of honor. And I appreciate the creativity of calling me mm-hmm. evil you know, because most people are just like mm, demon yeah. spawn of Satan. You know, <laughs> Satan's fool, but no, no fallen Nephilim. That's,
4: <laughs> no, that's that's a good one. I love when the trolls get creative. I have to tip my cap to them. Um, the the great irony, I think, in what you're doing and the response to um, what you're doing is that, and they, and they wouldn't see it this way because they don't understand irony. <laughs> Yeah, is that, that they is. prove in in acting like that? They prove exactly what you're doing. They prove your point for you, mm-hmm. and so yeah. it's like, well, how can you not see that? Well, what I'm critiquing and your response to it is exactly the reason I'm critiquing what I'm critiquing.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Oh yeah, no, they they don't get the irony. I I I'll reply to some of the comments with a video, and you can see the comment. Like, I think I got one that was like, "You're Satan in action." <laughs> so I just made a. A spoof where I just did a checklist of, like, take the kids to school, make the lunches, Satan work, and I check it off, and I'm just, like, drinking a LaCroix. Like, deep. that's the day for me. And I was, like, told yeah, you. <laughs> they believe deep, it. deep Satan work today. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: I also love something you've been doing, kind of a recurring bit that you do. I don't know if you do this every week or whatever, but you sometimes you will do, like, sort of a recap of the things you've seen uh on on social media right the things they posted and you'll just do these little reactions like a quick it's so it's hilarious because it's so fast but it's like you know, boom boom yeah. boom one after the other it's this relentless string of ridiculous nonsense and and you just like reading these stupid headlines and reacting oh it's beautiful it's so great like I said i guess there's a never-ending uh supply never-ending <laughs>
5: Yeah. No, I, I, that's one of my favorite things too. Cause, and, and thankfully people send stuff to me now, so I don't have to do all the scouring <laughs> myself, but it's, it's not hard yeah, to find. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you had made a, uh,
2: <clears throat> excuse me, you had made a, a second ago, you said something about how you were a, uh, sort of a former Republican. Uh, and, and so, uh, we always like in this, uh, in these little heretic of the week, things to talk a little bit about your journey. Like how did you get to the place that you are now that people are calling you a heretic and, and these very creative things. Um, so, you know, you, you, probably sound, sounds like you started off kind of a conservative, evangelical Christian. Um, and so how did you get from that to where you are now? What were the things that kind of, uh, caused you to start rethinking some of the things you were, you believed and, you know, what sort of propelled you in this direction?
5: Sure. Yeah. So uh, my dad and my grandfather were both very conservative evangelical pastors in Texas. Um, my dad was also an evangelist. So we'd travel. And like when I say it was evangelical, like I've sang on the Jim Baker oh, show, mm. a song, a song I wrote called America Say Jesus. So it was also got a little. Is that
4: available on YouTube for our listeners?
5: Um, it is not. I've posted clips of it on my TikTok. I probably need to <laughs> repost it. Um, I out uh-huh. myself. So my past is cringy and I'm aware of it. <laughs> so I just out myself already. Like I'm not getting canceled. I'll cancel myself. Um, but yeah, so I was very deep in it. I was also a diehard Republican, And when I was in high school, I made a MySpace group called I'm a Christian. Therefore I'm a oh, Republican. Yeah. Genuinely mm-hmm. believe that was taught Democrats, you know, really couldn't be well. Christian if they were, they were just confused, <laughs> you know, or uneducated, <laughs> all that good stuff. Um, so I guess like, the biggest thing that well, the thing that started it, and then I kind of was slowly deconstructing, but didn't know it for about a decade, was um, my dad got cancer and then passed away like within a four month span. This was back in two thousand and eleven, and so we were all we were Pentecostal and believed in healing, and that as long as you have enough faith, God would give you what you ask for and obviously that did not happen, and so I was wrestling with that for a long time, but also was just really. That was, I mean, I had seen awful Christians my entire life from just being behind the scenes as a PK, but that was the first time I'd seen it directly involve Mm. me because I I had Christians coming up and like, you know, your dad would have been healed if you just had more faith yeah, or you just had some kind of unresolved sin. Your dad wasn't living in God's will. Like all these reasons to justify why God didn't heal my dad, except for the fact that he just didn't. And so that made me really angry. (laughs) a lot of Christians for a while. And so I I deconstructed the whole, you know, name it and claim it healing theology first. And I was like, I don't I don't believe that because it obviously doesn't work. Um and so I did that for a while kind of quietly. And then in 2015, one of my brothers came out to me as gay. And up until that point, you know, I'd been taught that it was a choice, but I knew my brother and our household was relatively homophobic. Mm-hmm growing up so i knew that he would not choose
0: Mm.
5: that um so that definitely shifted my belief pretty immediately on lgbtq stuff i I was like i wasn't affirming for a while because i you know still had to unpack a lot of indoctrination but definitely softened my heart a like immediately and then the next thing i guess would have been trump yeah there you go yeah so i don't know if I didn't even go into that, but I was still Republican in 2016, um, but was not, I was a never Trumper, for sure, and did not understand what was happening. Like, I, because you had all these evangelical leaders that I thought really wanted to love their neighbor, because they taught me to do that, and I thought I was doing that, and then I saw them get behind Trump, who was like the opposite of anything Christ would stand for. So I was like, hmm, something's, something's off here. And so then I pulled the string, and then it was like a very super speed <laughs> deconstruction.
4: Yeah, you got the expedited version.
5: Yeah, then it was like, whoop, okay, none of this makes yeah. sense now. Yeah,
4: that's that's been the – I mean, I, I was I was not a Repu- I, I stopped being a Republican around the time I turned 18. Like I was – this was, God, 21 years ago. Um, because of of Bush, I was told to vote for Bush. So I did. And then, you Mm -hmm. know, these kind of, I mean, the warmongering and, you know, that kind of stuff. But in the midst of that, like there was still the be kind, there was still the family values. There was still all those things that were instilled in me. And then, so I, I mean, I don't know if you have an answer as to why evangelicals and conservatives have gravitated to someone like Trump. It sounded like that was a big disconnect for you and kind of accelerated your deconstruction. And I'm still grappling with, like, I, I really do want to understand what the pull is because it does run counter to everything I was raised in for 25 years. Sounds like the same for you.
5: Yeah. I, and if I'm being honest, I still don't get it. I don't, I don't know that if I'll, if I'll ever understand. The only reconciliation I have is that it was never about love and it was about you know power and white supremacy and it was just kind of packaged in the love of jesus and i and i think that like i think there's a lot of really good well meaning people still in church and still in those even in, in evangelical circles but they just know talking points and they know I, I feel like they're kind of biblically illiterate in a way because there's a lot of cognitive dissonance you have to live with every single day to take the Bible literally, which a lot of them do. And yeah, I don't, and I think, I think evangelicals, if they're not, we're also taught not to question hmm. things. Yeah. So, I mean, there would be times growing up where I'd be like, that doesn't make sense. Why are we pro gun? <laughs> Why are we pro death <laughs> yeah. penalty? Right, right. This doesn't seem. You know, very love thy neighbor of us. Um, And then it'd be kind of like, oh, you know, some talking point. I'm like, okay. And then you just kind of shove it down because it just, if you go that way, then other things are going to unravel. So it's just easier just to keep it all compartmentalized and keep it on the shelf and don't explore it. But I also think it makes us very susceptible to conspiracy theories, especially like I was taught the rapture growing up. Yeah, I'm like I literally, I literally believed I was left behind at one point because I couldn't find my family. That's trauma, and like if you believe as grown adults that at any moment we're just going to be sucked up into the sky, leaving a pile of clothes behind us. Yeah, why are we
2: making? I never understood that. Why am I? Why am yeah, I?
5: I know, naked? right? Like, why do we have to leave our clothes? Like, it's well, so I've weird.
4: got, I've installed escape hatches. You can't see them in my screen here, but just in case, spring loaded. Yes.
5: Yeah. 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 But like if adults can believe that, then of course they can believe in like the COVID shot being some wide conspiracy to kill half the population. Uh-huh. Yeah. But oh, yeah. It's just like easy jumps because you already aren't cognitively like thinking through yeah. what you believe. So you can just go with whatever people tell you. Yeah.
2: What I, you know what I've also thought talking about this cognitive dissonance that with Trump and everything um, and, and especially like with this kind of left behind uh, theology, rapture theology, the thing I really never understood. And I think Ben Cory did a really interesting uh, post around maybe the first year that Trump uh, was president, but it was something something like pointing out, like, "Hey guys, um, you know, all you guys, all you Christians supporting Trump, who also are like really buying into this whole rapture theology, doesn't your own like you know end times rapture theology involve a man who comes to power who you know enchants the Christians and tricks them?" And, you know, and but then later, you know, has all these horrible policies where he's putting people in cages and, and torturing them. Like, do you not see this? Like, if you really believe this whole left behind nonsense, I mean, duh, it looks like Trump would be that guy. How are you not yeah. noticing this? Right. Like you're living through it right now and you have no, you're just like oblivious to uh, these kinds of signs.
5: No clue. Yeah. It's also confusing too, because I don't know if a lot of them act like they really want the rapture and end times to happen, uh-huh. but then they're like, "Don't vote for Biden, or it's going to usher in the end times." Yeah. So which is it? Like, yeah. do you want the end times or don't you? Pick, <laughs> pick a struggle.
4: Yeah, which is which is really strange because a part of their own like to piggyback on what Keith just said, like a, the way they treat like climate change that brings about the apocalypse. And I mean, mm-hmm. and 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 I don't believe that stuff any, anymore. But the more I listen to them talk about their foreign policy. Mm -hmm. or their climate policy i'm like wait a second you are sort of writing the script that i don't believe in any longer but you're making me kind of believe it again because of this self-fulfilling type of prophecy yeah Yeah.
5: well i think i think the reason why so many evangelicals too are anti climate change and want to do nothing to support the climate too is because they believe in the rapture so it's like we don't have to take care of the earth because yep in times then in the process they're actually bringing in in times, which we can't talk about climate change because I will literally get depressed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. That's fine.
2: But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. So, um, so you've deconstructed uh, all these kinds of things. Um, were there any, were, were there any things along the way that kind of helped you that you kind of like, as you were kind of looking for, you know, what do I believe about this now? What do I believe about that now? Were there any things you came across? Um, I don't know, books or podcast or youtube channels like something like okay this really helped me this really kind of gave me a uh, a path out of this sort of a, a new way to rethink about some of these things.
5: Yeah, I think early on I um like in 2020 is when I really started doing a lot of reading and I was feeling very gaslit by the you know, evangelical Christians that I was leaving. You know, I was still in the church but I I was probably still going to church for a couple years and just feeling kind of angry for a mm-hmm. while, because I just felt like, how I see, I see what y'all post on Facebook. How are we worshiping the same Jesus right oh. now and walking away with two completely ideologies of what what his teachings are? Yeah. um So I found myself slowly, you know, distancing myself from them. What was the question? I lost my track. Of that. Oh,
2: they just sort of like as you were going through your deconstruction oh, process. Yeah. What what were the things that kind of helped you? Like, okay, I found a book, I found a
5: yes a podcast.
2: Something like, okay, this is helping me now guide me out of the darkness.
5: Yes. So originally I, I um in twenty twenty, uh during the pandemic, we stopped going to church because COVID. And I started going we we had a lot of local Black Lives Matter protests here uh, yeah. to move our Confederate statue to a museum. So like And it was all of ours were very peaceful, except for the counter protesters that came and screamed like racist stuff to me. So that was super eye opening because there were a lot of local white pastors, like a white pastor, local Baptist pastor came to preach a sermon to our Black Lives Matter side about and the whole sermon circulated around the idea that the color of sin is black. Oh, my God. And so then – and someone filmed it and it went kind of viral and uh, so then people started calling him racist. And so then he went on a Facebook Live for an hour, doubled down to say <laughs> that he could not be racist because he has the Holy Spirit in him and he's a Christian. Oh. And so that was oh, that's, that's a
4: new one. I thought he was going to say because he has a black friend or something. He, he
5: did say that too. <laughs> of course. He was like that – was, that was part of the 45 minutes. But yeah.
4: Yeah.
5: Um, so I definitely started looking into anti-racist content. Like I read uh, Jamar Tisby's "The Color of Compromise," which is like mm. the history of racism in the church. Yeah. And so I really started reading a lot of that and realizing, okay, I'm not, I'm not crazy. You know, all these white people telling me no, there's no racism in the church. I'm like, mm, I'm going to listen to <laughs> the black people on this one. Um, so <laughs> that that was when. And then I read "Jesus and John Wayne" by Kristen oh. Dumais, and yes. that that one was like, okay. I'm definitely not crazy. This has been a long time coming. And mm-hmm. yeah. And then I started listening to uh, like Rob Bell's podcast and I revisited Love Wins because that was, you know, that was yes. heretical for the, a while. The
4: forbidden fruit. <laughs> the forbidden fruit.
5: <laughs> yeah. I finally was like, you know what? I think I could read this one now. And so that, that helped a lot with like my view on hell. Cause I, I think hell was what kept yeah. me in for so long. Cause I was just. I mean, who wants to go to hell? Well, it's, right. It's terrifying. It's instilled in you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I listened to some of the earlier stuff of the Liturgist podcast yeah. too, and that helped yeah. me along. And then I and then as I started kind of deconstructing out loud in um, like on TikTok or on in Instagram, I started meeting people and building community and following more like-minded people, and it was like, oh, I'm not crazy. This is this is the thing, and we all feel this way. We all have this collective religious trauma that is dramatic and we were taught that it was normal so mm-hmm.
4: yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i recently it reminds me of something i recently saw and i think it was from an a writer from the babylon b which pure garbage um
5: yes they used to be there. kind of I, funny it used to yeah. be kind
4: of funny and now it's just really cringe yeah and this this person tweeted something about like his observation was that how come people who deconstruct immediately go to therapy? And I'm like, uh, yes, duh, because it. you fucked that. us up <laughs> Like <laughs> because we're fucked up from the church. Come on. This is like obvious. Just, yeah. Come that's on. what
5: you would call a self-owned. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. This is it's, it's, not, very, it's
4: It's right out of Ben Shapiro's self-owned playbook. I know, <laughs> yeah. This
5: is not the point you think you're
4: making. Exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah it's like, it's like saying like, why is it all of my former friends, you know, like have trauma and, you know, huh? What could be? What could be causing that? Well, all all of my former friends have this incredible amount of trauma and emotional, and, you know, psychological pain. Huh? What could it be? What
5: could be
4: the problem? What's the common denominator
5: <laughs> The fact that he like he never thought to ask, like, why are these people going to therapy? What could be yeah. causing that? It's as if hmm. well
2: see yeah. the implication is well because of are messed up. It's cause of are screwed yes. up. Not that yes. we screwed them up. Right. But like, oh see if they were more if they were more normal or more, you know
4: they uh They just had to balanced, believe harder.
2: They didn't believe hard enough. That's
5: Yeah. Right. <laughs> you gotta, gotta white knuckle that faith.
4: <laughs> Which is it's just so interesting that like it doesn't seem that any any of the people who are are in our former lives like the you know cuz you know in the church we have these youth groups we have bible studies the minute we step away from church it's like they don't think to then ask us questions like I mean, honest questions. Like the questions they ask us are gotcha questions, you know? What are you going to do if you're wrong, brother? It's like, well, I guess I'll take that chance. I don't know what to tell you. But they're not asking us real questions, which is why they sound so stupid when talking about deconstruction. So we've talked about, like on this show and other shows that we do, you know, Mike Winger and Alyssa Childers and Sean McDowell, they don't seem to have any conversation with anyone they deem liberal, progressive, or deconstructed. Mm-hmm. no and that's the that's i mean i i'm guessing uh, and i'll just i guess i'll put you on the spot here have have anyone asked you about like sincere questions about where you're at or is it just slinging mud
5: yeah so i've had i met with my former pastor because he wanted to talk and um so my spouse is non-binary and recently came out in the last couple years but like always had gender dysphoria so that that was also a reason why I deconstructed. I forgot that one. That was a big yeah. one. Yeah. That's probably um, a big one. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely was. Um, and so Be- Beecher, that's my spouse, told our pastor their whole story. They weren't publicly out yet. And the first question the pastor asked was like, well, is it really worth like, is happiness that important? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like I mean I think so. Yeah. I mean I'd rather Now that you be... mention it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like and then he's like, Well, what about sin? We're like, what what about it? Like, and I think I think um like my spouse and I are a conundrum to a lot of evangelicals because mm-hmm. there's no technical sin we're committing. We're in a straight passing relationship we're staying together but i've been demonized because i'm supporting them and still loving them and like our marriage is genuinely better since we both embrace our more authentic selves and Mm -hmm. and it's like you want me would y'all rather me divorce them which jesus actually talks about (laughs) (laughs) right but (laughs) then I want to have that yeah. conversation. Um yeah, and it's funny, I actually a couple months ago I got a message. I literally just tweeted about it today cuz I remembered it and it made me laugh. Um an SBC pastor that I went to college with. I went to a Baptist college. And um he reached out to me and I didn't know him very well, but I I knew of him. He's like, "Hey, April, I really I really enjoy some of your stuff and I agree with a lot of it." I know the evangelicals are in a really tough place right now, and you know I'm an SBC pastor. Blah 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 blah. He's like, but I'd really love to have like a conversation with you where we can like hear each other's hearts, and I really want to bridge the gap because I hate seeing the hatred from both sides. And blah blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, great, like I'd love to have that conversation if it's in good faith. I was like, I-, I have a little bit of a hesitancy because I've had past, I've had evangelicals reach out before, and it ended up them just it ended up them being just trying to like proselytize me back into evangelicalism and I just I'm not interested in that. I was an evangelical for 32 years. I I know everything from that side. <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. like, but I was like, but if the and I'm not saying that's what you're doing. So if if you really want to have that conversation, I'd I'd love to. He never responded.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So like mm.
5: So yes, I guess people have reached out, but then I've like learned to clarify because those conversations are exhausting like i yes. i know what yep. they're i know what they're going to say i used to yep. say it to people that's right myself yes. <laughs> you know so i'm just like skip to the point like if you're trying to convert me back into evangelicalism no thank you um and so far no one has actually talked to me with, <laughs> with yeah. me like making that clarification
2: yeah and that's funny because i got this exact same thing i get i have been getting texts or private messages from people, you know, back from when I was more evangelical and they'll be like, <clears throat> it's usually it, like you said, it's usually from that perspective of, um, Oh, Keith, I was listening to the heretic happy hour and I just need, I don't understand, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Typically, honestly, most of the time it's the language, right? Mm. I just, why are you on this podcast where they're dropping F bombs? I'm Like cause people talk this way and I'm not going to demand that everybody, you know, uh, behave the way I prefer. Yeah. Or, or I won't, I won't interact with them. Like, that's stupid. Why would I do that? Right. So, but anyway, it's usually along the lines of it starts off like, I'm a little concerned or I want to understand, but very quickly becomes, let me fix you. Let mm-hmm. me show you how you're wrong, brother. And then yeah. again, it's always got with the little hook, you know, cause this is all they have. It's all about fear and shame and guilt. So it's always, it always comes back around to you because, you know, I, I, I'm praying for you because, you know, God's going to get you. Uh he's gonna he's gonna come after you, God's gonna punish you, you know, and or or the fear of hell or something like that. And it's like, yeah, sorry, um, that doesn't work on me anymore.
5: Yeah. But I mean, but
2: that pattern keeps repeating, right? Every time I every time I get a message from somebody like that in my past, I already know where that's going. Yeah. And so far it's never been a genuine conversation that's only about I just wanna
5: understand. Well, and uh, I think it's because because I still call myself a Christian, I still believe in Jesus and love Jesus yeah. and all those things, follow Jesus' teachings, and I think the fact that, like my Christianity, is a direct threat to theirs. Yes, because they don't, according to their beliefs, I I can't exist. I don't I don't exist. So they have they almost have to disprove me, like, no, nah, yes. you're not really a Christian, just to just so they can keep their tightly knit theology wound up.
2: Right. Right. And see, that's exactly like, you know, Matt and uh, mentioned and we've done some shows um where we respond, you know, Matt and I together have done some things where we've responded we've done like reaction videos to uh Sean McDowell or Alyssa Childers or things like that. Um and 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 again that's their only that's why that's their tactic. It's basically um let's not genuinely address the differences between progressive Christianity or deconstructing Christians and you know evangelical Christianity. It's let's just show you how that's not real Christianity. Progressive yeah. Christians aren't real Christians, right? Um, and what, what Matt and I love is when they keep appealing to historic Christianity, which to them goes back to the 1500s, mm-hmm. <laughs> not not to like the first century, you know, first, second, right. third century. It's more like historic Christianity is, oh, John Calvin, right? Way back way back at the beginning of Christianity. Oh, Calvin. Um, yeah. But all they can do is like, yeah, demonize and create this very strong us and them thing. And again, it's why are they doing this? Because they're terrified. They see deconstruction is happening. They see if they're pastors of churches, they see people leaving mm-hmm. and they don't take the time to find out why their tactic seems to be just to try to stop it by demonizing the process. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can always tell that they don't know to understand deconstruction because they'll, they'll use this kind of language. Like, you know, when they do their little videos or whatever, their podcast, they'll say now, before you deconstruct, here's some things to consider. And I'm like, oh, I had a choice. I didn't realize. I, you know, uh, yeah. what should I do today? Should I? How should I deconstruct? You know, I'm going to play on my deconstruction. No, yeah, like literally
5: no one happen. chooses to deconstruct. Like no. and you can't help what you believe. Things either right. make sense nope. or they don't make sense.
4: Yes. Well, and, and April, you alluded to it earlier. You you said something to the effect of you had realized you were, you know, you, you were deconstructing without realizing that's what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that seems to be the pattern for so many of us is we look back and we, when did you start deconstructing? Well, I realized around this time, but really it was like three, four, or five years before that, or or, you know, whatever the answer may be. And so it's almost something. Ironically, it almost is Calvinistic. It's in 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 that it (laughs) happens to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we were elected to walk away. So I don't know what you're so mad about. (laughs) April, this has been fantastic. It really resonates with me. Going back to um, your spouse's uh, non-binary, in that. That's not a category of sin that they talk about, so they kind of have to invent it right. and so that, that resonates with me too because I, i'm I came out bisexual last year and I've been married to a woman for eighteen years now god mm. um, and so family literal family had to invent the fact that I'm having multiple affairs with men because that's mm. what bisexual means to them, and because my wife and I don't live in sin because we're monogamous right they have to create narratives in which they can call the relationship sin mm-hmm. so i'm sure that's probably happened to you because you don't fit in their ni- nice tidy categories
5: yeah mm-hmm. well i actually ca- i came out bisexual too a couple years ago but it's my partner being them their real selves made me realize but we're still monogamous and in, in our mm-hmm. in our marriage and i'm just like you know this is a part of me that i'm realizing very late in life you know but you know they're like, oh, you just want to deconstruct you can live that sinful lifestyle. I'm like yeah, literally yeah. I'm at home every night putting my kids to bed at 7:30 and I go make a plate of nachos and then watch some <laughs> fantasy show. It's so
4: it's so boring. Like our <laughs> sinful life like I'm up at 5 a.m. I work out, I work, I have multiple jobs. I take my daughter to school, we take her to dance. It's like this is the most boring sinful so lifestyle. I like I thought it would be way more ex- I thought it was a highway to hell, not some <laughs> sort of like Slow walked. I mean, you know what I mean. Like, come on, this is supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be metal. Come yeah. on, yeah,
5: yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's so. But they have to do that because it doesn't make sense. They because then mm-hmm. they have to admit, like, oh, God must have made people with yeah their desires yeah. The, right. they yeah. can't think about that. Nope, they just have no. to dig their mm-hmm. hand in the sa- head in the mm-hmm. sand.
4: Yeah. yeah,
2: that's exactly yeah. right.
4: Mm-hmm. So oh my gosh! Not not that you need uh, our listeners to follow you on TikTok and Instagram, but. If if you want them to to follow you, where can you fo- they follow you? And do you have any work that you're working on? Projects that you've got coming that you want to tell our listeners about?
5: Um, sure. I have. So if you want to follow me, I I'm on TikTok and Instagram at April A Joy. Uh, my middle name is A Joy. My parents named me that, so it's A-P-R-I-L-A-J-O-Y, April A J O Y. Joy. Um, on Twitter. I tweet sassy things. Sometimes it's April of joy R though. Cause someone else has April of joy. I'm not salty about it at all. Um,
4: Doesn't sound like it. No, yeah.
5: I'm not. Um, I also, I co-host a, a podcast too called evangelical ish with a couple mm-hmm. other former evangelical pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> there
2: you go. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I'm a huge fan, April. I'm so excited to have you as a heretic of the week. I'm going to keep following your stuff and, uh, Keep doing the great work. I think it's great. See, the thing, we didn't talk about this, <clears throat> but the thing too is that I'm sure you also get, and we talked about all the negative stuff you get, but I know there are so many people um, who follow you. And again, you do, it, you do it in this beautiful way that you help us laugh about some of these things that for, in many ways are maybe traumatic in reality. But by helping people laugh about some of these things and by calling attention to some of these things, um, you are helping so many people You know, along the way and process what otherwise would be a very, painful and traumatic process of going through their deconstruction. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate that. I appreciate what you're doing and the way you're doing it is really, really beautiful.
5: Well, thank you so much. I mean, we went through some ridiculous stuff. We should be able to laugh about it a little bit. That's how I cope.
4: (laughs) Sometimes that's that's the only way to cope. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, cheers and thank you.
5: Yeah. Thank Thank you for having me.
2: Oh, wow. April, thank you so much for being our heretic of the week. Uh, what an amazing person. So so great to find out more about you. And please keep making those hilarious TikTok and Instagram videos. Wait I'm sorry it. I couldn't be there. Uh, but it was good. Yeah.
3: Friends, before we move any further, I just want to do a quick reminder that you make our lives so much easier. If you will take the time just now to rate and review us, let folks know what you love about the show. It is how people like you find people like us. We're really grateful for you taking the time to do so.
0: All right, y'all. So
3: we are
0: in the final episode, at least of part one of our scandals. Um, this is this is part four. And unlike every other scandal that we've talked about, this is not a sex scandal, believe it or not. There are other right. kinds of scandals in in Christianity and in evangelical Christianity. So if you ever have been an evangelical, if you've ever been associated with evangelicalism, if you've ever gone to an evangelical church, you may be triggered. But seriously, we do want you to take care of yourself. Uh Just there's no one 800 number, as far as I know, uh, for those recovering from <laughs> we evangelicalism. Should start we should start one. I think we, we have, have, one, used one. To have yeah. one. We used to it, have it, one. It, you know <laughs> what? It used to be <laughs> our that. hotline, but that got taken away. That got taken I, away from everyone. We now have stone right. thoughts. So we used we used to have a one eight hundred number for you. At any rate, do take care of yourself. We think if you have been if you are triggered by sex scandals, we think you're going to be able to listen to this one uh, with greater ease. We are. Do take care of yourself. Um, if, if you if you need to opt out, opt out. But we hope that you'll opt in and weigh in with us as we are talking about Mark Driscoll and Mars
2: Hill. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's favorite, Mark Driscoll. So I don't know where we begin. I mean, I, I think Can most- we begin with like, what a dick. OK, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mark Driscoll is the guy in case maybe some of you forgot uh, or tried to bury your memories. Um, isn't he the guy who said, I can't worship a, 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 a God or a Jesus I could beat up? As it, sort of forgetting that. Yeah, we kind of did beat him up like uh, anyway. Yeah. yeah, uh and he also used to make fun of worship leaders, um, who who looked effeminate and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he he's um he was not a nice guy for a long, long time and um quite often was you know, got in trouble for saying things and posting things that he had to retract or double down on, depending on uh the day. And um I don't know, I think a lot of people probably only really found out the depth of the the depths of uh the, the degradation, right? There wasn't there a recent podcast series that kinda went pretty deep into mm-hmm. uh Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill, which was his it's called the
3: rise and fall of Mars Hill.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we are just gonna do a light overview of the um awful, horrible, disgusting things um that happened under his reign of terror. And um and hopefully be able to learn some lessons as we as we go in through and look at some of this stuff. So, okay, Mark, who wants to kick us off? Oh, I was hoping you would. Oh, I thought I did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you did. You're absolutely right.
3: <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm curious, were, were any of us into him in the day? Um, I would always hear Mars Hill, Mars Hill, yeah. and I just like kind of let it slide on by. So I really didn't know much about him until I did research for this particular yeah. episode.
2: Yeah, I had friends who were at the time when he was still like preaching. I had people would send me clips of some of his sermons and be like, oh, Keith, listen to this. This is so good. Every everyone needs to listen to this. Right. And when you would listen to I would try to listen to like the could not make it through the first 10 minutes because it would be this uh, tirade where he was basically screaming at people and yelling at people, um, telling them that God hates them uh, and all that kind of stuff like, oh, No. (laughs) <laughs> no, nope, not my speed <laughs> yeah so would it would help if i
0: gave like just a really quick timeline and overview please. what the scandals are there's yeah. more than one cool yes, all right please, so um, and i'm start. not going to pretend that i did this research matt did this research thank you matt. okay so uh, mark driscoll founded the marcel church in 1995 1996 there was also a network the x29 network which i kind of vaguely have heard of uh founded in 1998 which was a new church uh, start, like a church plant um, network, all very conservative evangelical, all very kind of complementarianism, all the stuff. It's all the stuff that you can imagine with evangelicalism, but like on steroids. Yeah, with no like right, like this guy didn't even want anyone to wear pastel shirts or right, like <laughs> paste, everything. I think Shonda told me that uh, yep. before we started. Um. So, um. So he's he's uh, he resigned actually from the Acts nineteen. A network in 2012 and then after that there's just all these um allegations that began against him in 2013 dave craft filed charges at him for being domineering verbally violent arrogant and quick tempered and that there were it was a toxic work environment at mark uh, at marcel um jeanette mefford accused him of plagiarism in 2014 i guess in his book a call to resurgence um, he was removed from Mars Hill in 2014, which was quite a while back. I mean, that's mm-hmm. eight years ago now. Yeah. And then, uh, he, re- he resigned. I think he took a six week break and then he ended up resigning. So some of the controversies are, um, some of his statements about women, which, which we shall get into have been horrific, oh, horrific, oh, horrific. Yes. He equates feminism with hell. Um, and he, he doesn't even have nice things to say about like Adam. Uh, As well, the plagiarism scandal, um, the New York Times bestseller scandal, which I don't know much about. Well,
2: I can tell uh, you about that. Okay, awesome. Let's start there
0: because that sounds interesting.
2: Just briefly, so what I know about the scandal was, I don't even know what book it was, but he had some book that had come out. And there was like a campaign, which I think he was personally behind, where he was basically telling people on staff and members of his church to basically go out and buy multiple copies of the book. So that it would hit the New York Times bestseller list. So that was basically, It was like a, it was like a fake thing. Which, by the way, I think he learned it from Scientology because they do that too, where they they mm-hmm. they tell other people to go buy like Dianetics to kind of keep it in the New York Times Best like Settlers. a thousand copies of it or something, or, or as many as you can afford. Like okay. yeah, I don't know like set aside every month some money. Oh my gosh, like, like spend a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, spend a couple hundred dollars uh, and go right. in and buy as many as you can, oh. and then you don't know, give them away, give them away for free, and and then spread them out, you know, and so that way it spreads the book. But it also artificially boosts his, uh, it's his okay. sales. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of skeezy. Yeah, so I'm sorry, my producer is saying uh, mm. that he hired a firm to do this, also. So I, I had heard that he had told people in his church to do it, but uh, they are not mutually exclusive. There, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. And I think right. it's worth noting. I mean, I think we all know this, but mega church like this was a huge, huge ministry, right? Like, oh yeah, and, and, and satellite ch- churches, and everything. yeah, with satellite churches, and it was a huge ministry. Um, in Seattle, Washington, right? Oh, yeah. that and so part of the part of it um that strikes me is he had a meeting there was a meeting that a number of clergy called with him. I want to say I'm going to get the date wrong um but uh early 20 uh, early 2000s to be like hey this isn't helping the rest of us uh in mm-hmm. terms of like it's representing a very specific version of Christianity in a predominantly unchurched community in a very specific way. Can we figure out how to work together? And you can guess what his answer to that was. Um, but I think the the breadth and width of his ministry and this particular brand is really important.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to add to that too. Like, I, what I do remember about um, Mark Griscoll around that time was how he was hailed as a success story. Yep. Right. I mean, so I know so many pastors at the time. I lived in Southern California at the time. Um, so some of my friends I mentioned who would send me clips of him and stuff. Some of them were pastors or associate pastors on staff at different churches. And many of them looked to him as a success story, as a template. Like, here's how you do it because yep. he's getting men to come into church. And how is he getting men to come to church and be super excited? Well, he's like ramping up, you know, this, uh, you know, this testosterone driven, be a man, be tough, you know, um, uh, take charge of your wife kind of stuff. And, um, and, 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 and again, the thing was it was working. So again, up, up in that part of, um, it was Seattle, right. Where he was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, typically there wasn't a big kind of church, you know, Mm -hmm. a Christian kind of movement. And there weren't a lot of men involved in churches. It was mostly women, but you can notice he, and we're going to get into this a little bit. You can notice, like, I think that's what's behind and what's driving a lot of his misogynistic statements because, you know, he did it a couple of times and it worked. And then it became, then the whole nation is like looking at him and going, Hey man, yeah, keep doing that. That's awesome. It's working. And then now we're going to do it too, because he's doing it. Um, and then it became almost like this, uh, he created this monster where like he had to keep on, um, pushing that button. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about men being men and women, you know, uh, he has a horrible thing. I'm not even going to repeat. I'll, let, I'll yeah. let some of you do that, but, uh, it was just horrible stuff. And, um, but I think that's the thing that sh- that was, I guess, troubling to me at the time was, how many people were quoting him and sharing his stuff as if this is the future of Christianity. This is the future of evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. If we're going to move forward, if we're going to be relevant in the future, it's going to look like a Mark gristle style
1: church. And that was really troubling. He seems to me just to be like the epitome of toxic masculinity. Everything yeah. I'm looking at and the description of him, how he handled the people. even I think you said he didn't want them to wear light-colored shirts or whatever. Yeah, pastels. They can't wear uh, pastels. pastels. Yes. Like, okay.
2: That's Solid colors. To
1: masculine. Yeah. Colors. Okay. <laughs> Blacks all Right. Black and, yeah. Yeah, he seems like somebody who's definitely um, created his own version of Christ and, mm-hmm. and, project, oh, yeah. and tried to project that onto mm-hmm. the people in the form of ministry. And there's a mm-hmm. lot. He's not unique in this aspect. I think, you right. know, a lot of, there's so many pastors out here who have Cooked up an image of Christ in their minds that's based on their own toxicity okay. in whatever their culture is, whatever their upbringing is, or their own ideologies. You know, most for most conservative evangelicals, if you let them tell it, Jesus is a white, European, Anglo Saxon, whatever heterosexual Republican. He's yes. that and, and ripped. Oh, he's ripped. <laughs> yes, he's totally. Like ripped. the God's gym totally Jesus. Jesus, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And so if you, if you let them tell it, that's who he is and anything that challenges that. And what's so crazy is that ain't even who they are most of the time, you know, Right, um, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So they got this hyper, uh, I don't know, fantasized, fantastical version of Christ that they themselves have embodied, you know, in their thoughts. And, and then they project that onto the people and onto their ministries. And he's not—he's not an outlier. I think he has such a big stage and he has such a humongous audience that he gets a spotlight for that. But it's happening from the storefronts to the Superdome all over the world. Oh
3: yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's
1: exactly right. It—it
0: it, it occurs to me. I definitely want to talk about his his comments on women because they're we can we can take these down and have a lot of fun with them. But also, it's occurring to me that maybe one of the problems is like the way we define success for churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. so like we're, and I I hear this from people a lot. Well, they they have a big church, so obviously they're doing something right. Well, they may be doing something like right to get numbers in the door. That doesn't mean that what they're doing is of Christ or is um like actually part of the Jesus movement. And so this this idea that numbers and feelings like this kind of ethos equals success is a is a serious problem. Where like actually, I think we should be looking at smaller churches that are. Um, not, you know, not getting tons of attention as as a better model.
3: But that are actually having an impact in healing people's lives and making a difference in the world, yeah. And let's talk for a second about some of the stuff that he said, because I find myself haunted, interestingly enough, by what he said. Because in some ways, he didn't care about women at all. Women were kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, there as, yeah,
1: a prop. Uh, props the
3: for the convenience
1: word. of men mm-hmm. yeah yeah and
3: so really who he was focused on and to the to the extent that a lot of women complained he wouldn't talk to them and even other staff would actually explicitly say i only talk to the head of the household so the woman could be standing there and not get addressed while oh the husband God. got talked to um so like that in and of itself is is important and what he would say about men that weren't achieving his version of masculinity was I hate even saying it out loud, but he would describe them as pussified, he would describe them as homos, and there's two elements to this, which is, you know, beating up somebody verbally who isn't aligning with your construct of what a man is, but also, the assumption there is, being in relationship, in powerful relationship with women, uh, or relationship with powerful women, is a bad thing, and frankly that our you know reproductive organs are problematic uh is harmful and the notion that being gay is a bad thing which he certainly believed and made very very clear over and over and over again yes um and the fact that that's where he went when he was critiquing men was they were babies they were uh controlled by women or they were gay yeah but Um, what are some of the things he said about women i think it's worth mentioning because this actually points to uh a shiro, I want to lift up. So let's yeah. let's let's all
0: take a pause and take a moment to bless Rachel Held Evans. <laughs> yes, yes, The late and wonderful Rachel Held Evans, who Beautiful. is shiro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely yeah. It was it was a heretic here before before my time. Um, and yeah, because her blog is still active. Yep, and she did a takedown on Mark Driscoll that is definitely worth everyone's time. So if you just google Rachel Evans and Mark Driscoll, you yep. will find it. And so she a lot of this um comes from her um she quotes him in her um in her blog. But one of them is uh let's let's look at Pussified nation um because I think this is this is one worth looking at. So a quote from Mark Driscoll We live in a completely pussified nation. Uh, We could get every man, real man, as opposed to pussified James Dobson, knockoff crime promise keeper, homoerotic worship loving mama's boy, sensitive emasculated neuter neutered exact male replica, even jellyfish. I love love that by the way. In a phone booth. It began with Adam, (laughs) the first of the pussified nation, who kept his mouth shut and watched everything fall headlong down the slippery slide of hell slash feminism. There's so many places we could start. So if Adam, Adam,
2: but here's what I don't understand, if Adam is the first man and he was pussified, shouldn't all men be pussified then? It seems like that was... That was God's I think his point. I think his point was if Mark Driscoll had been the
3: first man, we would be living in we, a very different world right now. If only
2: Mark Driscoll could have been the first man. Oh my gosh. Good God.
1: <laughs> oh, Lord
2: but i oh, like even jellyfish i think even that should be a t-shirt that, <laughs> that should be a t-shirt that's the only yeah. thing that's the only thing that whole quote i would take and say okay now that i like i like uh, yeah i like I the like reference that. to the phone booth it's kind of quaint <laughs> 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 oh
0: my gosh oh well, well let's on. start that, uh, let's start with how awesome like pussies are Thank you. <laughs> if you're, you're pussy, yeah. this is you know, like this is an amazing organ of the body that it can is. do. Take, yes, it's very it's elastic. And it can yes. accommodate a lot of things. Take, it can close up of, when yeah. there's. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's like so many great things going on about the female vagina, and uh, yeah. no one, no one needs to use this.
2: And uh, where would we be without them? Really? Right? I
1: mean, I don't we, know. We, where
2: will we be without them?
1: Sure. Uh, somewhere in the great outdoors not created, not having entered into the earth. The world would just be full of women, although um, I don't know where we'd be without y'all either, so I'm not sure how it would work. Nobody dolphins would be would, here. Dolphins <laughs> would rule.
3: The dolphins would yeah. that's right. And Obviously. the world no, would be no, a better place. right? Uh. I don't know how we got here, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I'm just, yes. I am a very big fan of pussies. I'm glad that we are reclaiming them. Thank you very much, Katie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ma- right,
0: maybe we could talk this. about like James Dobson
2: being the like yes! anti male for Mark yeah. Crystal? I don't. Yeah, there's something going on there. Like there must right. have been some at the time. There must have been some little bit of a uh, beef between him and James Dobson for him to throw that in there. Pussified James Dobson knockoff mm-hmm. crying promise keeping home erotic worship loving mama's boy. Woo. Yeah. I mean, some of those. Some of those things. I'm not even sure they go together. It's like it just keeps, keeps adding all, all these different adjectives. It's uh, it's endless. Yeah. You It's know the what Dadaism I found... of evangelicalism. Sorry, yeah. December.
1: Go ahead. <laughs> You're fine. You know what I found to be true. This is just my observation of these kind of things over the years, and you probably have observed this too. Many of these 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 uh, men who are ultra masculine appearing, presenting, or whatever the case is that speak so harshly and so often against homosexuality, I, most of them end up in a scandal related yeah. to some type of home. It's most to me. It's like repressive, like. Yeah. They're so against it because inside they're for it. And yes. I and I and they're trying to convince themselves more than the people that they're speaking to or their congregations or whoever else that it's so wrong and it's so this and so that because they it's a struggle that they have to deal with every day that they wake up and decide not to live in their truth. And that's the observation that I have most of the time. It seems to never fail that at some point the mm. ones that are that are so loud Because it's one thing to have an opinion. It's another thing to be violent in your 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 language and, uh, you know, offensive and intentionally, um, you know, meaning and all these things that he is. It's another thing to be that I can say, you know what, I'm just I can't get with, you know, that whole thing. I respect you. I believe the Lord loves you, but I just, you know, I can't allow. I myself with that. one thing. But to go on this other side, which is this tirade, which is to demean you, which is to call you out of your name, not, to me, that that's different. That's different. And to me, that's coming from another place. Because when I'm sure of who I am, I don't have to demean who you are. I don't have to offend you. I don't have to do... All that shit ain't even necessary when you know who you are. To me, that's a person who's struggling.
2: Yeah, I, there is a... With Driscoll, there is this... It's like it's such a militant, over-the-top um masculinity and and at the same time such uh venom towards anyone any man who dares not to be you know this uh ass kicking in fact that, that that reminds me i actually looked it up because this is one of the this is i think the first time i i really came across Driscoll um there's that there's that quote of his from relevant magazine uh where he said this is a quote from him he says in Revelation, Jesus is a prize fighter with a tattoo down his leg, a sword in his hand, by the way, it's not in his hand, and the commitment to make someone bleed. That is the guy I can worship. I cannot worship the hippie diaper halo Christ because I cannot worship a guy I can beat up. Um and again, so it's like he has such a this image of who Jesus is, which is completely off. Uh and such a so yeah, he is he is uh ramped everything up to this to eleven. Um, And it's all about testosterone, you know, the fact that you could read Revelation and come away with this idea of this picture of Jesus, he's got a tattoo down his leg Mm -hmm. and a sword in his hand. It's out of his mouth, by the way, out of his hand, and a commitment to make someone bleed. Okay, what you miss, Mark, is the blood on his robe is his own blood, right? So again, like right there, you can see how twisted his theology is. Like it's completely distorted from what it should really be. And then no one calls him out on this. They just kind of go, amen. This is, yeah, this is, this is a great picture of Jesus. And yeah, I think to me, that's one of the major problems I always have had with him. And then of course, then it just manifested itself in a whole lot of toxic behavior and language that eventually, thankfully got him fired. I wouldn't know what the tattoo was. Oh, it's his right? name. Right. Oh, so Jesus' uh, name
0: is the tattoo down his line? Yeah.
2: He's supposed to have a, a name. Like Jesus yeah. doesn't
0: know his own name, so he has it. Titled? You know, he's got
2: a, it's, He's wearing the jersey. You know, it's like the colors. You know, he's got to <laughs> represent. <Okay. Yeah. laughs> it kind of it's in like, every language.
3: I kind of feel like he probably thinks it's actually Mark Driscoll's name in
2: the
1: text. Could be, be. Or like, like a lightning yeah. bolt yeah. or a
3: lion or something. Okay,
0: so let's let's maybe take take down his comments on feminism, which are tied to obviously his comments on women. But like he associates feminism with hell, and this is obviously a really strong. Um, a, a strong stance uh, that Mark Driscoll is taking, taking, but I hear this all the time sure. in softer ways. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not a feminist. It's just that I don't think women should be trampled on. And so there's a lot of misunderstandings about what feminisms are. And there's not just one definition of feminism, but I see this getting played into and tossed around like, um, like a prize. In, in evangelical and kind of conservative mm-hmm. talk that like feminism is obviously a really bad thing. Back when John McCain, mm-hmm. who um, was still alive and running for president, I remember him talking about the feminist agenda Yeah, um, on, the, on the platform. So like, oh, yeah. what, what's up with that? It doesn't have to be about Mark Driscoll specifically, but that might be worth kind of exploring just for a minute. Like, what's up with the feminism having such a terrible name? What's the fear there? Because I think there's, there's probably a deep fear about women's
2: power. Well, I mean, isn't it similar? It's the same kind of thing with like um, the pushback from white people when you try to talk about white supremacy or pro- white privilege. They don't want to ad- even acknowledge it and address it because to do so would mean one to admit that it exists, and two, if it is a problem, th- the only way to fix it would be for white people to give up some of that privilege. And right, isn't it the same thing now? If 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 a man acknowledges, um, that women don't have a voice and don't have the same equal kind of, you know, uh, rights and, and all that kind of stuff, then he would have to not only acknowledge it, but have to give up some and share that. Right. And I I really,
3: yeah. And I really love you bringing that up. There was an excellent article. Maybe we can include in the show notes from Christian Century, um, about the podcast, uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And it, the article was pointing out that it was a huge mistake for the podcast to ignore race because you can't talk about the complementarianism, the misogyny, the male hierarchy of Mars Hill without paying attention to how it connects to this i mean in some ways you know we in the wake of the 2020 um January 6th insurrection we started hearing a lot more in the media about replacement theory right like the white supremacists being terrified that white people were going to be get get replaced mars hill actually said if women were dissatisfied and longing for something more in their lives get them pregnant again because if they had more babies it would keep them distracted from wanting things outside the home and also there was an urgency and we don't tend to think of like mars hill as a full quiver Movement, full quiver <laughs> movement, being this kind of, I think, very extremist uh, mm-hmm. Christian movement uh, that quiverful. is trying to quiver-
0: quiverful. quiverful. Quiverful.
3: What was I calling it? Full quiver. Oh, that's hilarious. Same, thing. same difference. Uh, but- same <laughs> thing. Quiverful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. um Yeah, this this movement to kind of repopulate the earth with Christians, right? But like, yeah, I'm not going to get too far into it, except like the to Duggars. say, hmm. Like the Yeah, like the Duggars. Yeah, yeah, like the Duggars. Yeah. A great example, actually, of the Quiverflow movement. Thank you. Um and and what's implicit in it is a certain type of Christian, right?
2: Mm-hmm. White
3: Christians who are functioning out of the assumption of male supremacy, um, that are responding to this terror of being replaced. This, I would argue, irrational terror. And frankly, white men being in charge hasn't worked out so well for us that maybe it's time to try something else. But okay. yeah, I think That's um fine. I think that that's a really good point. So I know, Katie, you were talking about um, what is it that they're so scared of? I think it's also worth thinking, what would the wind be if that ever actually Mm -hmm. happened?
1: (laughs) And there's a little portion in Rachel Held Evans' blog. And thank you, uh, Katie, for putting me on to this. But she said in, in response to something, she quoted something that he said. And he said that the churches with women in leadership, he calls them chickified, right? Mm, yeah. Warning that if Christian males do not man up soon, whatever that means, the Episcopalians may vote a fluffy baby bunny rabbit as their next bishop to lead God's <laughs> men.
2: That would be awesome. I was <laughs> oh just going to say what? again. No. What this is, is Bishop a Dick. Bishop Bunny. Yeah, Here's Bishop Bunny.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and you know I'm, I'm gonna have to I think I'm gonna have to beat uh Shonda or Katie to this but fuck Driscoll <laughs> and, um, man, and the horse he rode in on gonna to go somewhere and jump off a cliff and go on and sit with Jesus until the rest of us show up oh, But my whole thing about him you know the more I'm reading about him the more I'm learning about him the less I, I hope that I never knew his name this guy is a fucking idiot I mean, my whole, my whole, I mean, I, I hate this, but he really is. What in the hell? My whole thing about it, I'm thinking about it. the thing that's so bad about this is he is not an anomaly. He's not. Right. There's a no. lot of, right. there's a lot of men in leadership. There's a lot of uh, males, period, in the faith community that think exactly like this fool. And they, they, he's like, if y'all been in 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 black social media. There's this guy called Kevin Samuels. And he was very misogynistic. He was talking about the role of the woman and da 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 was going on. It's the, the the problem with him is some of the stuff he was saying was good, but he use it's like he used one truth to float ninety nine lies. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so and I'm thinking about that in relation to this dude. Yep. How you take they take Christ, a lot of these men and and he's a good example of this, and they use Christ as a mascot. Not mm-hmm. he's not their master. Because yes. if he was their master, this bullshit would never come across <laughs> their lips. This shit that he, it would never come across their lips. It wouldn't even come across the mind, which means it came across their heart. It's a heart problem. So Christ is not your master, he's your mascot. And you're using Christ as a mascot like high schools do, like the NBA does, like the NFL does. And you parade him in front of the people and get them to cheer and to stand up and to, you know, to try to go along with what you're saying. But really, the gospel that you're preaching is your own ideology, whatever your own culture is, whatever your own thoughts are, whatever your own fears are, because a lot of this is based in fear. If you strip all the layers back and you strip this raggedy ass onion all the way back to the core, it's going to be fear replacement, like I yeah. said, the replacement, because anyone who is standing flat footed solid in who they are and what God calls them to be and understand their purpose in the earth, they ain't bothered with all this shit that he's bothered with. They're not Mm -hmm. bothered with women preaching. They're not bothered with a man wearing pastel pants. They're not bothered with this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And something else that he said that really done pissed me all the hell off is, I guess, you know, I'm sorry, you know what, I could go on a tangent. I might have already been on a tangent just now. (laughs) (laughs) He said said something about um, Ted Haggard had an affair with an yep. escort and he blamed that on the on, on Ted Hacker's wife, talking yep. about, you know, women yep. that fail to please their husbands sexually, which he uh-huh. equates to providing regular oral sex uh, and maintaining their attractiveness. Motherfucker, I, what you doing? Are you eating a pussy? I mean are you doing <laughs> what you I mean i know say with your stomach and, and look what you what your your abs together? What you like? <laughs> Are you maintaining hey, no. oil sex in your body? You know what I'm saying? And yep. let's talk to your wife and see how you do it. So all this is one-sided. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And most of these men, it's all one side. Everything exists for their convenience. Yeah. Everything exists to bless yeah. them. Everything exists for them. And he, you cannot possibly have a relationship with the same Christ that I have a relationship and be on this bullshit that he's on. Mm-hmm. And then that's all yeah. I got to say about that. Beautiful.
0: You know? so- that Beautiful. was, that was everything December Faith. <laughs> that was great. Um, the uh, alarmingly, Mark Driscoll still has an active website. Um, so a few things just worth noting the Mars Hill network dissolved in 2015. So actually I want to give some kudos to the leadership who recognized after his exit mm-hmm. in 2014, that this was not tenable. And Goodness. I don't know that their insider stuff, but like they reckon, I think it appears they recognize this was mm-hmm. not of Christ and dissolved all of really all of Mars Hill's. the satellite churches got to decide whether they wanted to stay open as autonomous churches or not alarmingly though mark driscoll has a website don't worry listeners you don't have to go to it i've done it for you i'm going to save you the trouble you don't need
2: to don't go there
0: don't give his seo any more like any more hits or anything like that but I, i did go to the section on women and it's pretty much exactly what you would expect how to be a great mom how to, how to raise children that love Jesus, like kind of some bullshit stuff like that. Um, yeah. so no, nothing's needed, but he's still out there. He's still doing stuff. These scandals have not actually brought him down all the way. Nope. Um, yeah. you know, interestingly, as we talk about like feminism, yeah. I just finished teaching a class on the divine feminine where actually I think when we can yeah. see Jesus as a union of divine feminine, divine masculine, non binary, like all of the genders, we see a much more complete picture. Of Christ um and of God. And we see I, I think we see a lot of those images in the New Testament uh, and in other mystic writers. So, you know, when I write that book, I'll I'll send I'll send Mark a uh, a little email with some highlighted passages for his hymn. I love
3: before it. Before that,
0: we 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 have one ready to go.
3: We do. We actually have a strategy for you because you've you've heard me say a couple of well, you've heard December say fuck Mark Driscoll, and I think we all agree on that, and I'm saying mark driscoll is such a dick and fortunately our buddy matt here has written a book called don't be a dick we feel like it would be a very helpful resource for mark driscoll so his church's address is pull out a pencil and paper 8620 east mcdonald drive scottsdale arizona 85250 send him a copy of uh don't be a dick and let's see if matt's wisdom can shift this motherfucker
2: yeah cuz we you know we only we only want what's best for mark we would love wouldn't yeah. it be beautiful wouldn't it be wonderful if Spiritual mark like,
3: transformation yes
2: had a had a complete transformation like paul yes like exactly like paul it would be He's like a, a shining light it would <laughs> knock him on his ass and he would say oh my gosh how wrong i have been and and tearfully sincerely apologize and mm. make a total turn. That would be amazing. And then you know then what we'll Mark, have him on the show. We'd have back you know Mark,
1: Mark come on the show. We'd love to have you on the show. That would be great. Listen, I think the most important experience he needs to have that Paul had is when God made it so Paul could not speak. <laughs> <laughs> it, it went, it didn't didn't God shut Paul and Paul couldn't speak? Well, that was you know I, I mean? think that was somebody so, else, but, but that's still a good idea though. Somebody he need to shut the hell up? That's what he needed. <laughs>
2: That's awesome. <laughs> well, I will share a story. Him,
1: that's
2: right. I will I will share a story when we do the bonus round. Um, I have I actually do have a connection to Mark Driscoll. He, believe it or not, Mark Driscoll wrote a blog uh, where he mentioned me by name and critiqued me, and uh, and then I wrote a response. So this has been a long time ago, but uh, but I, I'll I'll talk about that in the bonus.
3: I would love I to know any to- oh, like.
2: Oh, sorry, Shauna, go ahead.
3: I was going to say, I think I know we're going to do a little wrap up on the whole series, but uh, just to put a cherry on this particular theme around Mark Driscoll, I just want to close out the way I have closed out, which is fuck Mark Driscoll, fuck him for his anti-woman and anti-queer rhetoric fuck him for thinking the problem with the promised keepers was that they were too moderate fuck him for fostering a <laughs> culture of verbal abuse and misogyny as if it's healthy christianity and fuck him for using the same name for his church as rob bell did because that made my life very difficult back in the day yes uh
2: yeah. which yeah, wait right. which
0: church mars hill really Rob Bell's church Church too. Yeah, his his church. No wonder I was feeling so confused, and I didn't know why. Okay, every
3: emergent person felt confused when we were like, "Wait, there's more than one Mars Hill." Oh, wait, this other Mars Hill is not like our Mars Hill. There's
2: the good one. There's the good one and the bad one. Got it. Okay. All
0: right. Well, I'm yeah. I'm curious if we have any takeaways from the series, and I'll just start with mine, which is to I guess i have to avoid churches. Where, obviously, where the leadership is all male, but especially where the male leader is shown in a picture hugging his wife and talking about what a devoted father and husband he is. You mm-hmm. don't need that in your life. It's, it's a cultural signal mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that his wife is his helper mm-hmm. in ministry. Mm-hmm. Don't need to go there. Two, if the pastor is over the age of, like, 35 and is cultivating an air where he looks like a cool youth leader, avoid <laughs> mm-hmm. avoid <Yeah. clears throat> this is a signal of a particular kind of like atmosphere and culture that shall be toxic and it will hide under the guise of youthful coolness yeah but there will be toxicity underneath Oh, my two takeaways
2: that's good yeah yeah run 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 from any pastor who mocks gay people um or describes his wife's vagina as a penis holster run Far away. Mm-hmm. This I would is say, her, Michael, you have a takeaway? <laughs> no, he, he did that. He really did that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah know, they right. actually, oh, I think God. they co-wrote a book on marriage together, actually, and then they did a conference about the book, and then, yeah, he, he said that.
0: Yeah. Poor Grace, that's his wife's name. Grace, yeah. if Let's you all,
2: helping, if you need if a friend, reach out. Grace, We're please, team. please, yes. <laughs> We're here for you, Grace. Blink twice if you need, you need help. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> my, my takeaway is this. Make damn sure that you have a personal relationship with God mm. or whatever version of God you perceive him or her or them to be. Because the moment that you entrust your relationship with your source mm. to someone else wrapped in flesh, just like you, you're already losing the battle. Amen. You're already losing. You're already on your way to hell because you cannot rely on a man or a woman or anyone in between you and the Lord if you believe in him to be the arbiter and the purveyor of your faith. You just cannot, you simply cannot afford it. And I want to give a shout out to Kathy Kathy Douglas and Jennifer Cunningham-Keith. These are some folks who have dropped into my DMs just saying that they enjoy this show and they enjoy hearing me. I love you. Thank you for tuning in. It's so important that you set loving boundaries. Yes, the scripture, just say forgive seven times seven. That does not mean that you have to let somebody take advantage of you. That does not mean that you have to position yourself to be abused, misused, misappropriated, talked to any kind of way. I don't care what title these motherfuckers have, okay? I don't care how much education they have. I don't care how long they've been in seminary. I don't care if they built the church or they was voted in. They're still a motherfucker. They're still <laughs> full of faults. They're still wrapped in flesh just like you. And they could trip, flip, fall, dip just like you don't put these motherfuckers on a pedestal because they will fall, okay? Mm -hmm. That's what the takeaway is. Let God be God and let these motherfuckers eat cake. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I said, what I said. Amen.
3: Uh, Amen. So my takeaway, because I think we know people who have experienced harm at the hands of pastors. I think all of us do. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. And so I've been thinking a lot about the fact that a lot of us have these experiences and then feel like we can't have community because where we've experienced harm is community. Yeah. And so I think my big takeaway is we need to be cautious about how we engage community and I really appreciate every single one of you just named something that is absolutely critical so that we can go in in ways that protect our well-being. I also want to say for folks who have experienced harm in community, that it's not your fault. Yeah. And I think the longing for community is actually part of how God made us. God made us for each other. We usually talk about that in terms of dating relationships, marriage, whatever. Um, but God made us for each other as community.
2: Yeah.
3: And the longing <laughs> to be in community, the longing to be loved, the longing to be cared for, the longing to have other people, who are engaging in this deep spiritual wrestling, that's natural, it's healthy, it's beautiful. Which is why um my other big takeaway is fuck all of these people who are destroying community <laughs> for their own well being.
2: Yeah. That's, that's good. Right. Yeah.
1: I love that. Ultimately church is community. And yeah. that's why people go. And if you can find a church that's loving, that's empowering, that's inspiring, that's encouraging, were you higher than when you came? By mm-hmm. needs to continue to go, but the minute that you start seeing these toxicity yep. and these type of behaviors and these, um, you know, these markers and these signals, exit stage left. You don't owe anybody anything to stay there. Go, yep. get out.
2: Yeah, yep. that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, this is uh, this has been a wonderful series, um, and at least hopefully helpful and educational for for you, our listeners. Um, I think we uh, do. We know what our next series is going to be. Have we, do we have a name for it or do we have just like a general do we want to tease it a little bit? What kind of things are we going to talk about in the next series? Well, what if we talked about our next series? Okay. That was a little pun. So oh, we're doing what I, a what if. if. Oh, what if. I, I see. What if series. Oh, oh I, I see what you did <laughs> Sorry, too obscure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, no I'm like, like,
2: I thought we were going to
0: talk
1: about it. <laughs>
3: yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> December, I think this was your idea was it it probably was i don't know but i'm happy to be aboard
2: <laughs> right well, The what if the what if series is coming up next yeah
0: yeah so like so for instance what if aliens are real or what if what if islam is really the right religion and we we've, mm-hmm. we've all missed the boat uh, on this podcast so mm-hmm. we'll be exploring some questions like that yeah
2: and things like that yeah perfect
3: I, i'm excited about it i am too I'm excited to not talk
1: about church trauma a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. Doing a Ooh, long. yeah.
2: <sighs> something something fun. I hope. Yeah.
1: Oosa. <laughs> what if dolphins are the number one species and we're actually being controlled by them? Like That's from
2: right. the sea, I <laughs> I wouldn't like Ratatouille. except in
1: the water? Jump up and do backflips. It's like they're doing. They're running uh, like reconnaissance missions. Yes, they're like, checking you, us
2: out. That's right.
1: Yeah. yeah. Hey, this could be a whole episode. Don't give it all away now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Save it.
2: Save it for the series. Yeah.
1: Listen, everybody, if you're enjoying this show, if you're enjoying what we're talking about, continue to do so. And Why don't you, while you do that, go over to heretichappyhour.com. but we got a bookstore, we got t-shirts, we got quizzes, we got all kinds of stuff. Hop on over there and see what we got. Check us out. Uh, come on over to Heresy After Hours
0: as well. That's our free Facebook group. It's open to everyone. We have over 2,000 heretics. We talk, we laugh, we cry, we take down church scandals. We do it all. Uh, so join our free Facebook group, Heresy After Hours.
2: And a huge shout out and a massive thank you and a mwah to all of you beautiful people that support us on Patreon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if you don't support us yet, what are you doing? Head over to Heretic Happy Hour. Oh, sorry, no, don't don't head over there. Head over to Patreon.com slash Heretic Happy Hour and uh, sign up to support your favorite podcast. You will unlock so many amazing, cool things we have there for you, including access to our exclusive uh, Heretic Happy Hour Facebook group. Uh, so go check that out.
3: Also, we're even more hilarious on the Patreon group than we are in this show, so uh, it's worth it. Now, I know that you may have forgotten to click and rate and review us when I mentioned it earlier in the show. Now is your chance. We're at the end of the episode, and we would be thrilled if you'd take a moment to rate and review us so that we can connect with other folks who need a little irreverent love and a little uh, escape from the toxicity of the worst forms of Christianity. There you go. Play us out. Okay. Church
1: Thanks, Barrett. I have absolutely reached my motherfucking quota for like the whole month and now I can't no good.